RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. It's Monday morning, which means it's time for another Health Hacks here at RCR, Reality Check Radio. Dr. Glenn Davies from ReversalNZ.co.nz is back with us. Hi, Glenn. Hello, Paul. How are you? I'm good. I hear you've been a bit busy. Yeah, yeah, we're uh, renovating uh, an old cottage and uh, I've been given all the stink jobs like painting under the suffetes and stuff like that. Okay, so have you been in contorted sort of positions for extended period of, periods of time? Yeah, yeah, and I'm feeling my age, to be honest. That's how you find out. Well, good on you. Sounds like an interesting project. Thanks for pulling yourself away. Though, if you've already started work uh, at this time in the morning, then then you're probably overdoing it. But anyway... Hydration this week. Hydration sounds so simple. That's just water on board, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, you would think with such a essential topic, we would have been taught a whole lot about this at medical school. Um, apparently, we get about six hours training on nutrition, um, and water being the most essential nutrient, you'd think uh, a large percentage of that would have been on water. But to be quite honest, I don't remember any teaching about hydration, um, or it may be one of the lectures I missed, possibly. But um, yeah, and I've ended up with a whole lot more questions than answers, to be honest. Okay, because it does sound so simple. And I think we're mostly water. Um, majority of us is is actually water, I believe. So so it's just a, yeah, six, a matter of sixty percent is the sixty percent water, yeah. Okay, um, so uh, you feel thirsty, you drink, right? Simple as that. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, to some extent, you're you're correct with that, Paul. But um, the first question I asked myself was, um, how much water should you drink? And you think there would be a whole heap of science about that, but I've come to the conclusion that it's not so much science, it's more general advice. And how well backed up by the science that is, I'm, I'm really not sure. But what's the general advice? So the general advice that comes from the United States is eight times eight, which means drink eight eight-ounce glasses of water per day. And an, an eight-ounce glass is about a 250-mil glass of water. So that adds up to about two litres per day, which sort of sounds reasonable, but um, I don't think it's backed up particularly by a lot of science. I went digging a little bit deeper, and I found the National Academy of Medicine's advice. That's from the United States. And it says 2.7 litres a day for women and 3.7 litres a day for men. However, that is all beverages and food. Okay. So yep. when I yep. actually yep. went, well, what does that actually mean in, in real life? You'd have to do quite a lot of calculating to work out the amount of uh, water that's in food. You'd have to include all of the beverages. And I didn't think that was particularly practical advice so we've ended up as a general guideline with the two liters a day so when when you say liquid so all all liquid is not the same right i mean um and if i had a beer that's not like having i mean a, a good proportion of that is water h2o but it's not like having a glass of water is it yeah it's a fantastic point so let's talk specifically about 
alcohol and coffee. But let's start with coffee because I asked my, this, myself the question, uh, is coffee good at hydrating and is coffee as good as water? Mm. Uh, and the answer is no. The reason being that coffee has a diuretic effect. Um, that means that it causes you to pass more urine. So I then asked the question, do you get a net benefit of hydration from drinking coffee or do you get a net loss? So I actually could answer that piece of science. Okay. The answer is you get a net benefit from drinking coffee. However, it's not as good as drinking water. But there's a little bit of nuance here that as you become more adapted to drinking coffee, uh, you the diuretic effect reduces. So for us coffee addicts, yeah, uh, yeah, there yeah. is less diuretic effect than um, for people who have an occasional coffee. So the answer to that question is there is a net benefit, uh, but it's not as good at drinking water. I didn't specifically research alcohol, but I suspect alcohol is very similar because the alcohol has a diuretic effect as well. Okay, so I guess it's all about the ratio of loss to retention then, is it? Yeah, it is, and that's a little bit more complicated than just the standard two litres per day. Yeah, yeah. Another issue of, of your question, uh, you know, is it all beverages? You've got to think of the beneficial and negative effects of the water substitutes. You know, so if you were to drink milk or soft drinks or fruit juice, you know, there is other nutrients associated with them, for example, protein and milk, but then you've got the glucose associated with it. So uh, I think in the end, water is the perfect thing to be drinking. And if you think about it in terms of evolutionary biology, that was all that was available to the caveman. And as I've said before on this program, we still have caveman genes. Yeah. No, it takes over 20,000 years for the genes of a population to adapt. And if you go back 20,000 years, we had some other beverages, but it was probably just water. So water looks like the ultimate substance to drink. It would have been water and animal blood, really, wouldn't it, that long ago? I mean, no one's sitting around distilling things at that point. Or maybe they were, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think so, but um, I think only the Maasai Africans were um, were drinking um, animal blood, weren't they? And maybe a few others. I'm not sure. Yeah, and the fact that um, you can you can only go a limited period of time without water is kind of a giveaway, isn't it? To the importance of of and the longevity of that importance in evolution. Yeah, terms. it's. I was reading. Um, I was looking to Chinese medicine actually because they seem to say the most about water. They talk about fifth, oh, sorry, 40 different types of water. Wow. They put quite a lot of attention to the uh, the temperature of the water and also when to drink. So, um, but they describe, but ancient Chinese medicine says this comment. It says, um, food is better than medicine, but water is even better than food. And Water is the king of medicines. So wow. okay. and they put a lot of emphasis into this. And I visited Shanghai and they talk about having your water at body temperature um, in, in Chinese medicine. I, I haven't delved into it in any more depth than that, but I guess it 
sort of is indicating the importance of the topic? Yeah, um, I sometimes drink uh, warm water. I, I keep, well, for a while there, kept on getting this pre-roll advertisement on my YouTube telling me how a warm water, a glass of warm water before bed, not that I went in believing it or anything, but it just, I just remember it, um, lowered uh, a risk of prostate, because we were talking about that last week, right? Prostate yeah. issues. Now, I don't know if that's uh, right or not, but every now and then I enjoy uh, just a drink of, of warm water, not hot water, but just warm. It just feels good. Well, it's certainly the advice, uh, well, it's certainly the way that the um, water was served uh, in Shanghai. Um, I did look at a little bit more into the uh, topic of uh, traditional Chinese uh, medicine, and it was talking about having water or a more of your water between uh, 3 and 5 p.m. Okay. Uh, the logic of that was that it increased the hydration overnight. Um, again, haven't looked into the science of it more, but we, we do know that strokes and heart attacks are more likely to occur around 5 a.m., and whether dehydration has something to do with that. There, there could be negative consequence of drinking more of your water later in the day and that you might wake up more often and go to the toilet more, which would interfere with your sleep, which is bad. Uh, but, yeah, I, I found that interesting. There's a there's an interesting topic that that segues into, antidiuretic hormone or ADH. It's produced while you're asleep and it means that your kidneys uh, don't, produce urine during the night, and that's the reason that you wake up with a full bladder, but you shouldn't have to get up multiple times during the night if your antidiuretic hormone is working. You know, so getting the balance right between, you know, not overfilling your bladder so it wakes you up, but not being too dehydrated at night time. And I I guess if that antidiuretic hormone's not working properly, drinking a lot of water at bedtime would be a problem. But the, the traditional Chinese medicine talked about having a glass of water before going to bed to prevent strokes and heart attacks at 5 a.m. in the morning. Okay. Yeah, there is something about that time, isn't there, that uh, yeah, things seem yeah. to happen. There's obviously, something there. 40 different types of water, though. Is that – I mean, what do they mean by that? Is that like uh, different temperatures uh, or like different um, – chemical mixes uh, what do they mean because it's a lot no you've um you've exceeded my knowledge base <laughs> of traditional chinese medicine yeah there. um we we might have to research that a little bit more yeah uh, okay i'm interested in that one all right um though if you're not feeling thirsty how do you know you need to stay hydrated because that would be the mechanism to tell yeah. you right? and and that yeah. I mean, that isn't necessarily the case, is it? I mean, you can you can not feel thirsty but still need hydration. Yeah, so there's two schools of thought. Um, one is drink your two litres of water a day or your 2.7 and 3.7 litres of water, beverages and food. So prevent the thirst. The other school of thought is to drink when you're thirsty and let thirst be the guide. Uh, and I'm not, yeah, I didn't really get to the bottom of the science of that, but I think thirst is a good guide, 
but there's exceptions to that. So particularly in the elderly, I think the thirst impulse uh, might reduce. And I think a lot of elderly uh, suffer from chronic dehydration because they are depending on the thirst impulse and that impulse is impaired. So, you know, for us young people, uh, such as uh, you and I, Paul, young bucks, yeah, using thirst as a guide is probably fine, but I don't know if that applies well in the elderly, and there's probably certain illnesses where that doesn't apply. So the elderly may need to drink prophylactically. Yeah, because I see people in the street walking along sort of with their water bottle, obviously very conscientious about uh, the need to to um, stay hydrated. Though I'm wondering if, if you can overdo that. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a good question. Just before I, I answer your question, can you overdo it? You know, there's other circumstances apart from being elderly where you might need to drink prophylactically. So obviously if it's very hot, although uh, humans are the only animal that can sweat from or can yeah can sweat from every part of their body. So we are very good at losing heat, and sweating uh, is our main method of losing heat. You know, dogs will pant. Mm. Uh, we sweat, um, but you need to be well hydrated in order to sweat. Um, so very, you know, and working really hard or athletic work would require more water and more hydration. So. Um, yeah, think think about body temperature, think about the amount of work you're doing and think about the amount of exercise uh, that you are doing. But yeah. your question, can you overhydrate? And the answer is yes, but I think it's rare. Uh, when, when you're well and all of these uh, homeostatic mechanisms are working well, I, I think you'll just pee out any extra water. But there's certainly this uh, condition which I've seen repeatedly in the early days of Ironman. We used to see this condition called hyponatremia, which is uh, when Ironmen were drinking too much water without electrolytes, they would lower the sodium concentration and therefore their brain would swell and we even had uh, athletes having epileptic seizures as a consequence oh, of yeah. hyponatremia. Yeah. Now that the science of of, of hydration is, is better understood for uh, endurance athletes, people are having electrolytes as well as water, and I haven't seen that uh, recently in Ironman, but it certainly was a problem when we started doing Ironman in Topol around 20 years ago. Well, that's so, not that long ago. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so, so you, yes, you can overhydrate, but I think it's only, well, it's generally in extreme circumstances. There'd certainly be, be some medicines and medical conditions that could contribute. And so um, to... actually, if you if you do weird stuff like drink nine liters of water a day, I think you can do it. So yes, you could do it by just extreme hydration. Yeah, that's quite a bit. Okay, you'd be running off to the to the little room a lot too. So I'm just trying to visualize. Okay, so you drink a big lot of water. What actually happens? Where does it go? Okay, you pee out X amount, but, you know, a lot of that water is what um, infused somehow into the body and sent to organs and all around. Is that what happens? That's exactly what happens. So your circulatory system, um, your, your heart, is pumping the blood around your body all the time, and then the cells of the body will absorb uh, water 
as well as nutrients. Uh, and it's very, very carefully controlled. Uh, you know, so there's a very careful homeostatic balance of, of water in the body. And then what you don't need, you should just pee out. Uh, we need to pee out a certain amount because that's important for detoxification as well. Okay. Uh, yep. So you don't want to have overly concentrated urine all the time. Uh, you know, so the body will do this automatically when we're well. I think it's when we're unwell that, that all these problems start. Okay, so if you're if you're sick, if you've got a fever or something like that, uh, you've got COVID or the flu. Um, yes. What you're going to need more hydration in that situation? Do you think? Exactly, because if your body temperature is high, you're going to need to lose more heat, and that requires hydration for sweating, uh, for heat loss. So yes, certainly if you've got a fever, you need to be drinking more, you know, which is a challenge because you're feeling crappy and you just want to lie down and not get out of bed or off the couch. So the effort of getting up to uh, refill your drink bottle sometimes just seems all too hard. Well, someone could bring it to you. That would be fun. You know, when you've got the man flu. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's real bad. I mean, I think it's impossible to get off the couch with the man flu. That's, yeah, could that's, you please the, bring that's me a some really water? bad version. Will you bring me some water, please? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so what about um, urine that looks too concentrated? Is that is that like something that should tell you, hey, you, you need to dilute yeah. that a bit more? Except for first thing in the morning, it's allowed to look concentrated first thing in the morning. That's the impact of the antidiuretic hormone. But during the day, I think it's a fairly good guide that your urine shouldn't look look bright yellow. And if it does, you probably are dehydrated. Okay, what water to drink? Forget the 40 types, different types of water. That's uh, something uh, again. But, you know, coming through the tap in some places now, it's not just water. It's had stuff added to it. Um, plenty of people are enthusiastic enough in, a, in the area that I'm in to go uh, religiously to this fountain that comes out of the aquifer direct. They're passionate about that. I mean, people are, are really serious about water, some people. But what about, um, you know, what's in, in the let's say, the, some of the town supplies? And you kind yeah. of know where I'm nudging here. It's the great fluoride thing would be one of them. But um, it, it would be, as a matter of principle, always the best to have the water as uh, as much as possible in the most natural state, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be? Yeah. So so as as you've indicated, you've you've introduced a um, a massive topic. Thank you, Paul. Yeah. But um, let's let's start with the topic of uh, bottled water. You know, in plastic bottles. So is bottled water a, a good idea? So there's a few issues here. One's the environmental issue. You know, there's a mm. hell of a lot of plastic bottles uh, being produced and also the expense, you know, like is, is it something like $4.50 for, yeah, it's you know, a large pump bottle of water? And it's pretty hard to understand how it adds up to, to $4.50. Well, the Coke's you, cheaper by about half. So how do you figure that? Yeah. Anyway, So there's, some, there's something uh, dramatically wrong there. Uh, but then there's this, this sort of more subtle issue, which is around these microplastics and some of the substances that could potentially be released from the plastic. So BPA, and then there's some other ones called BPS and BPF, 
So I think a lot of the BPA has been removed from uh, plastic drink bottles, but it has, I think they've just used these other substances uh, instead, which I, I don't know as much about. Um, when I was looking up, are there health issues associated with BPA? Uh, it seems to be debatable, but it looks, you know, according to the major, uh, uh, what's the word, uh, organizations that have looked at the topic they they make the claim that yes there are small amounts of these substances but they seem to be below the level that would cons cause concern uh in humans uh can we trust that i seem to be i'm not okay. sure i'm yeah. not sure but um that was the official line i i think it sort of seems crazy to be spending $4.50 on a bottle of water when we can have uh, high-quality water from other sources. So the next yep. topic yep. is tap water. Now, there's an interesting debate here around should you remove all the minerals from your water? So I had a look into that, and 20% of the minerals in the body uh, seem to come from water. You know, so... You get 80% of it from food, presumably. So uh, I imagine that you'll get most of the nutrients you need from food. So it doesn't seem unreasonable to have filtered water. The next topic, though, is what sort of filter. And mm. um, I didn't get enough time to research this in great detail. But it sort of made sense to me to have at least a, a minimal sort of filtration to remove the chlorine uh, and potentially the fluoride from the water, um, but particularly the chlorine. And again, I didn't look at this in detail, but, you know, would chlorine have a negative impact on your gut microbiome? You know, possibly it would. So I think removing the chlorine is a good idea. And just a simple charcoal filter. You can even buy those jugs. I'm not sure if you've seen them. You just pour the water in the top and it, it goes down into the bottom of the jug. That's really inexpensive Okay. Uh, way of filtering yep. the water, and that seems reasonable. Do you get into the far more um, complicated uh, filtration systems all the way to the reverse osmosis that removes everything? Um, yeah, um, potentially, yes. Uh, that might be a, a topic uh, for someone who knows more about that topic than than I do. Uh, but, yeah, I would, I would think um, at least a minimal... Uh, method of filtration is a good idea. And then you mentioned fluoride. So yeah. this is a really, really big debate, and I'm sure you've had uh, experts uh, on the show we've discussing had, this topic. We've talked a lot about this in Passions Run High. But why? Um, what really got me on this topic was when I saw that the IQ of children was reduced uh, when pregnant women had been drinking fluoridated water during pregnancy, and that seemed very, very conclusive research. That was a major peer-reviewed journal. To me, that was where I personally made a formed an opinion about fluoride uh, that I don't think it should be added to water supplies. I think if people want to use it, they should have the choice to use fluoride. Uh, and I remember back to the days when we had fluoride tablets, when we had tank water when I grew up in bulls. To me, that seems to be the solution. Um, then it becomes a choice, and you can make your own decision on the science. But if it definitely affects the IQ of unborn children, I don't think it should be in the water supply. 
Well, it's interesting because uh, last week, as it is now, the High Court found that uh, the Director General of Health's fluoride directive to councils was unlawful because it breached the Bill of Rights. So obviously going towards uh, the issue of compulsory medication in the water supply. So it seems we're talking about water. Uh, that's being reported by Fluoride Free and said we can mention that. So I'm just thinking back to when I was a milk boy, Glenn, delivering milk in glass bottles. Really, we should get back to drinking water and stuff out of glass bottles, really, shouldn't we? Yeah, I totally agree. I think glass bottles are ideal. There's, there is quite a lot of discussion around if you don't use glass, what should you use? And there's some concerns about plastic, but there's also some concerns about some of the metal containers as well. Oh, uh, there's yeah. quite a lot of discussion about copper containers, and uh, I think there's benefits reported in using copper. Uh, again, haven't researched that in great deal. Um, yeah, stainless steel seems to be okay, I think. Yeah. Um, but Glass, I, I agree with you. Glass is ideal, as long as you don't drop it. No, well, um, I had a few milk cart crashes back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty messy sort of stuff, but that's kind of one of the things I wish we'd come back, you know, just saying. Um, now, just going back to the start when you mentioned, because I've been thinking about it all along, the, the little amount of instruction or education or whatever you you got back in sort of doctor training days. Um, and we know about nutrition, the, the the lack of time spent on that too. That's that's quite mind-boggling, really, when you think about it. Yeah, isn't it? Isn't it? Um, my conclusion is that the pharmaceutical industry has a big influence over medicine and all aspects of medicine. So over research, over medical journals, over peer review, over medical school syllabus, uh, over the way doctors think, over the way doctors prescribe. And I think the emphasis of the pharmaceutical industry has created this pharmaceutical model of medicine, which has taken us away from the lifestyle medicine interventions. I think if lifestyle medicine dominated medical school training, we would have a whole lot more discussion about nutrition. You know, we'd be learning about whole food plant-based diets, we'd be learning about ketogenic diets and paleo diets and clean diets and whole food diets. There'd be, I imagine, terms of discussion about hydration. We'd probably learn about all those 40 different types of, of medicine. But I think because it's become so pharmaceutical, pharmaceutically orientated, that becomes emphasised and these lifestyle medicine factors of nutrition, hydration, diet, sleep, exercise are de-emphasised. So I would vote for those lifestyle medicine uh, aspects to become predominant. I don't want to get away, get, give away pharmaceutical medicine by any means, you know, medicines are hugely valuable and hugely important, but I think they've dominated and they need to be put back into the context, uh, I think, where they were originally intended to be used. Yeah, and also, I mean, water is respected, obviously, culturally, it's it's become a lot more respected. And there's a, um, a real determination to clean up waterways, yet 
you know, councils are spending less and less on making sure that water's not leaking everywhere and more on sort of nice to have projects. So I guess what I'm saying is that it's very easy to take this stuff for granted, isn't it? Yeah. And, and that, that's a really important topic. People from overseas look at the fact that is it nine liters of water every time you flush the toilet or yeah. or eleven or something? It's yeah, maybe a, it's a maybe lot even of more. Water. Yep. And we use drinking water for that purpose. You know, that's hugely wasteful. I think maybe we need to respect our pure, clean water more and value it uh, more. And um, I hope you went. I was. Hoping you weren't about to ask me about three waters. Uh, the oh, about but, three um, waters, Glenn. No, no, I'm, I'm, I don't have an opinion about three waters. It's, but I think uh, in terms of respecting our our clean water, I think yeah, absolutely, and valuing it more. Okay, I think we've been through pretty well all of the talking points. Maybe we should just uh, remind people again so they can sort of go away with the you know the real basics. So maybe we should just revisit. Uh, quantity, uh, what um, you know the um, the experts say, men versus women. I, I, I remember, remember it was lower quantity for for women, a bit more for men. So maybe we could uh, repeat that figure or those figures so people can remember that as they carry on after listening to this. Okay, so National Academy of Medicine it says two point seven liters for women and 3.7 litres for men. But that's all beverages, including food. Uh, So as a more easy-to-remember guide, it's the two litres a day, which is the eight eight glasses. But not a whole lot of science supporting that, but that's probably the best we've got. And then remember that we have to adjust that depending on the temperature, the amount of exercise we're doing, uh, whether we're taking medicines, whether we have a fever, and particularly in the elderly where the thirst sensation uh, may not be as adequate as it is in uh, other people. Do we know why that thirst sensation diminishes? Is it like everything that diminishes with age? Yeah, I I think it is. Yeah. I suspect so. Uh, And whether we drink before we're thirsty or uh, when we become thirsty, I think certainly if you become thirsty, definitely drink. It's probably indicating that you are a little bit dehydrated and it's time to drink. Uh, So a massive topic. Uh, I've ended up with far more questions than answers. Uh, maybe we could call this uh, session a a discussion of issues because uh, yeah, probably yeah. people have come away with uh, with not, not that many answers, but that's sort of where I ended up, uh, more questions than answers. Well, it's handy to know because there are a lot of coffee drinkers out there that um, that you know a, a certain amount of that that liquid in the in the coffee drink, is equivalent to or can hydrate you. So I think people were wondering about that. It's just a question of the ratios, right? Same for the alcohol. But food is unknown, isn't it, really? Yeah. Well, if you if you think about something like, uh, I don't know, grape, that's got to be made yeah. in water, isn't it? So, of course. Yeah. So food provides uh, hydration as well. Yeah. But probably don't 
depend on food to hydrate you. Um, back to the coffee, I reckon it's probably a good idea to have a glass of water every time you have a coffee. And That's a good idea. Yep. You're probably going to be ahead a rather than behind. What about watermelon? <laughs> yeah, I reckon watermelon would work. Yeah, but again, I wouldn't depend on watermelon as your sole source of hydration because yeah. too much sugar. Of course, yeah. All right, well that uh, that was really interesting, and uh, I think we can all t- have a drink on that, can't we? <laughs> yeah, cheers, cheers to that, Paul. Cheers. Okay, hydration. Yeah, I can see it. Hydration is what we've been talking about this morning on Health Hacks. And again, uh, Dr. Glenn Davies, reversalnz.co.nz. And I guess in the big picture, you know, uh, good water intake, hydration um, is about the reversal effect ultimately too, isn't it? That plays a part, must do. Yeah, yeah, it must do. And and one of the things that I really stunned me is some of the symptoms of poor hydration is brain fog, fatigue, and dizziness. So, you know, it is actually quite important. Dizziness. Dizziness, yeah. But the brain fog and the lack of energy, you know, maybe maybe that's maybe that's our problem, Paul. <laughs> it's easily fixed though, <laughs> if that's the case. Easily fixed. Just yeah. um just just pour yourself a glass of water. Okay, uh, until next time on Health Hacks, Dr. Glenn Davies, reversalnz.co.nz. Thanks for coming on and we'll see you again soon. Thanks, Paul. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.